How are we doing, everybody? This is AJ Torres at Colin Strikes, courtesy of the Worst Take Network. And I got two guests with me from the Worst Take Network. We got Stephanie and we got Chris. How are we doing tonight, people? Doing all right. How are you doing? Doing all right. I'm good. So tell me, uh, the two of you, I mean, there's a Twitter account, there's podcasts. Tell everybody what you do. Um, well, we host a show together with another friend of ours, Matt, um, called Fast Cars and Freedom. And it's mostly an all NASCAR podcast that we did have um, an up and coming indie driver on our show a few weeks ago, but it's usually just, just NASCAR and all the series. Like Xfinity truck cup. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Daytona just passed us just uh, yesterday and I did not expect uh, a casual fan like myself to be in front of my television at midnight. There was a lot of stuff in between, but you know, I don't want to sound like it's to go, oh, yeah, you know, it's Florida. Well, usually it's to politics in that regard. This time it was weather <laughs> or the pain. Yeah, it's happened a couple of times in the last uh, like five years or so. But usually uh, once, once the rain goes away, they get the, the dryers on the track. Uh, they get the air titans is what they call them. Uh, the racing seems to be pretty fun after that because no one knows if it's going to rain again. So everything kind of, kind of just gets ramped up after that. Yeah. 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 Last year's Daytona 500 was on a Monday. The rain never stopped. <laughs> kind of like Texas this year. Texas was like five days after its scheduled date or something like that. It was insane. I think it was oh, yeah. three days, three, four days. I think we had Texas on a Wednesday. So either Wednesday or Thursday. I think they, I think they yeah. put in a couple laps. Yeah. 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 So. It just kind of sucks, too, because, I mean, usually, uh, at least in just recent time, uh, you'd have to worry about ratings because there's not a lot of people there. But do you know how many people are in attendance at uh, the Daytona? I actually don't know. I don't know, but uh, looking from the TV, it looked pretty spread out. But that's a really big place to to keep filled in. Uh, if it was, you know, two years ago or even last year, you know, it's it's packed and there's probably only standing room only, but um, I'm sure there's quite a bit of people still there for such a big track like that. I was just uh, wondering myself, because uh, with with COVID-19, there's been restrictions. Uh, so I live in Connecticut and I work in the state of New York, just across the border. And what happened with the governor of New York is when the Buffalo Bills had their playoff game. He was going to allow one time X amount of people to be in the seats. I'm not sure how many thousand, but it was a small percentage of people. And towards the end of this month, stadiums that hold 10,000 plus people, they're going to allow 10% attendance. Now, there's a couple of teams that started this. My Indiana Pacers started this and they actually emailed me guidelines as in like, Hey, a bandana does not qualify as a mask, you know, this and that. So it's kind of quite, it's quite amazing, but it's not shocking that you see all the people, you know, you see the flag waving. It's just like, I'm just glad to see people out there because I remember watching a baseball season where up until the playoffs came, even though they pump noise in there, it's, 
it's weird and it's kind of sad seeing a home run and no one's there to catch the ball. Right. Absolutely. I just looked it up. It did say Daytona usually holds around a hundred thousand people. That's right. It said the 500 this year allowed in roughly 30,000. So about a third. So that's a lot more. That's that's still a lot. (laughs) Think about it. A hundred thousand and then everything going on. Right. I thought it would be maybe 20,000 by I mean 30,000. Jeez. Yeah. Now, mind you, I mean, I, I'm uh, nervous to head out there and I'm giving it some time, but Hey, if everything's done uh, the way that they said, I mean, I guess good luck. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy. It's all I got. Yeah. We're waiting uh, right now to see how many fans Vegas is going to allow in because we're trying to go to that race. And their governor did just approve, though, because last year we had our tickets and then we weren't allowed to go. But the governor yeah. just approved fans. They just haven't announced how many yet. Yeah, I was I was wondering uh, when it came to uh, draft time for the NFL as well, because I remember Vegas and I was one of the first places to open up. And they're saying, you know what, we're going to do it. Uh, I don't think it's next year. I think it's the year after. But still, I mean, that was supposed to be. That was supposed to be a big uh, party right there in Vegas for draft night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going. <laughs> you was oh. going to go to the draft? I was definitely going. Nice. But we'll see. I won't. I don't think I'll be here for the draft this year. I think I'm deployed. So mm. I won't be making it. Hey, please. Uh, we Thank you for your service. You have no idea. I know it sounds like a broken record, but there are a number of people that I know who have served, who have put their blood on the lines and you are appreciated in my book. Seriously, much respect. We appreciate your uh, support. All Absolutely. of us actually our military, Matt too, the one who's not here. Yep. Nice. So kind of tell me this, and this was the real interesting topic that I had, uh, going on and baseball and NASCAR are kind of one of those sports where guess what baseball wants to try and find a guy right who is I guess you could say the face of baseball and NASCAR tries to find a couple of faces where they could you know stick in commercials this and that like right now it seems like Hamlin seems to be the guy because he's in the pajamas commercial as we call it mm-hmm. And then, you know, as I was a kid, even though I'm, I mean, even though I'm East Coast, the face of baseball at one point was Derek Jeter. And then it got handed over to Mike Trout. And then slowly it's going to be handed over to Tatis Jr. in uh, San Diego. But there just seems to be this thing where you're going to pick a couple of guys and that is who you're going to try and market off. But you got to expand the game somehow. And the major networks are always going to cover basketball and football and racing. The guys are very sponsor conscious as in, Hey, you know, you put a microphone. It's like, Hey man, how you doing? He goes, great race. I want to thank everybody. List the sponsors, names, the people where it goes on baseball. It's like, Hey, we're going to dump the water cooler on them. We're going to say a good hoorah. He's got the team Jersey over him and that's it. Good night. Outside of the guys that are foreign players, and they go back to their home countries, there's not a lot of big expansion of baseball here. Some people think it's the guaranteed dollars in their contract. But when's the last time you saw a baseball player 
go out to a camp, you know, donate a bucket of balls and went to, uh, you know, a little league uh, group or an organization. You don't see a lot of that in the media. You don't. And if these guys were there, it would be seen. It wouldn't be one of those hush hush things. Yeah. Absolutely. I think NASCAR is very, I think NASCAR is very different as far as sports go on so many different levels. But if you want to talk about like just the drivers, um, I don't think that NASCAR drivers are the same as every other sport celebrity. If that makes sense. They're very um, home. They're homebodies when they're not at work because they're gone so often. They are very personable and very easy to approach. And those guys are lined up before races back when fans were allowed in attendance like that there would be fans lined up against fences and stuff and drivers would just walk out and do autographs. I think that like marketing them is a little bit different than it is marketing a bigger sport like the NFL or baseball or um, basketball. And especially because they have to have the money to make it to the next race where every single basketball game is going to happen this season. Every football game is going to happen. They don't need that sponsorship money where if a guy doesn't have, um, or a NASCAR driver doesn't have the sponsorship, he's probably not going to finish the season or not be able to race. Correct. Like was it Matt Deep in 2018 was trying to raise money uh, Ryan Vargas actually in Xfinity right now is asking for sponsorship because he doesn't have sponsors on his car. Right. Kyle Larson's in the same place because of what uh, his situation that happened last year. He's got Nations Guard right now, but other than that, his team owner is his number one sponsor. Um, so if these guys don't have that, they don't. You, it's really hard to have a career in the sport. Um, it's. Yeah, absolutely. You got to make your own brand because even if you're a baseball player, like let's say you're making league minimum, right? At the pro level, it's like you could buy your own cleats and say, hey, due to the excessive wear, I'm swapping these out every two weeks. You could probably buy yourself. I'm not sure how often they go through bats, you practice bat, a backup, anything else, but you could buy probably a case or two, right? It could be even your socks and everything else. Guess what? At the end of the day, you're making between 500 and 600 grand. I think that'll suffice. Oh, definitely. And then with most of these drivers coming from the, the grassroots of NASCAR, uh, they've had to find sponsors as young as when they were 12 or you know 14 years old. And they kind of hold on to that for as long as possible. So you would think somebody like Denny Hamlin, they're in their 30s, their 40s. They've already been grooming this kind of having to hold this professional manner as young as, you know, as young as, you know, before high school times. So a lot of these guys have just been holding sponsors above their heads, you know, saying like, you know, we've had a great race this week. Uh, Thank you guys for, you know, thanks. Thank this sponsor for helping me through these times and stuff like that. And then eventually, you know, they hit the next level and it's the exact same thing. So these guys have been groomed in kind of a professionalism since the start of everything. It definitely comes across that way. And also, you want to know something that's very hysterical, and for somebody that really is in NASCAR is probably going to laugh at this. 
You want to know what a lot of baseball, I guess you could say, purists are pissed about? What? What is that? MLB has filed for, now this hasn't gone through by any means, but for advertisements being on the uniforms. So like, so like how the NBA has like patches on the sides now and the WNBA has all sorts of sponsorships in their jerseys, that type of thing. Well, what happened was uh, last year, this was the first year that the MLB jerseys uh, switched over to Nike. Before it used to be uh, on the sleeve, it would be Majestics. I own a couple of those, but now it's switched over to Nike and it's a swoosh on the chest. Now, some people were pissed about that. But now I'm not even sure because I think it would just be like something on the side of the helmet. You could do it for foreign games. Like if you're in uh, Japan or over in England, that Australian series, whatever the case may be. But he's thinking that this might be a revenue thing. But I'm thinking to myself, okay, but there it hasn't been very detailed. For example, if you're a Colorado Rockies fan and you got the purple and the black jerseys, right? Who wants an ugly ass, you know, on the sleeve, a yellow and green subway sponsor? You know what I mean? Looks a little little tacky. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like the movie, The Bad News Bears, where everyone's just kind of like, hey, we have Pizza Hut. Hey, we have Dan's Diner. And here we have The Bad News Bears with Chico's Bail Bonds. I can see that. (laughs) I can definitely see that. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, we got class. We got a place that you hang out after the games. And then you got this guy. Well, we he knows him from the bar. <laughs> That's definitely I, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't – I'm not even sure, like, how that would look with the MLB scene. Obviously, with, with NASCAR, uh, you have so many different designs and sponsors and paint schemes. And if you look at somebody um, – like Denny Hamlin, he's had FedEx, you know, his entire career for the most part, but yes. he does have different schemes along with that. And whenever you do see him with something different, it looks completely out of place. And it's almost the same thing where if you think of a certain sponsor in NASCAR, like Napa, you instantly think of Chase Elliott uh, from recent times. If you think of Napa and you say something from, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, you think of Michael Waltrip when he used to run that. Yeah, and it's almost this one thing where the sponsors go along right, right along with the uh, with the driving, and I, I'm not even sure how baseball will work with that. Now, we don't know the much of the details other than the commissioner filing for it sometime during in the off season. But going forward, because um, I know the NHL did with their helmets, because this is one sport that depends solely on attendance. Now, NASCAR has been shown on main networks, where as far as the NHL, for the most part, you got to buy the package. Same thing with baseball, same thing with basketball and football. You got to buy the package, even though the NFL package is the most popular out there. But with the NHL, what they did is uh, they got on it on the, they got on the helmets and they try to advertise more uh, on the glass to get extra revenue. They said that the stickers on the helmets could make up for eight to nine million dollars a team for the revenue. Wow. So if you times it by X amount of games and playoffs for the year, I mean, that's substantial. And 
yeah, the hockey money, I mean, it's not great in the comparison of other sports. But when it comes down to as in, hey, is it going to be a team thing? Is it going to be a sports thing? Because if you have a Nike jersey and you have something like uh, you take uh, Franklin, it's, uh, you know, the official batting glove of Major League Baseball, fine with that. You know, if it's a black jersey, just reverse it on the white. That's a lot different than Subway on a purple jersey. I'm trying to picture it on my on my football jerseys. Football is my number two sport. And I yeah. and, and we've seen them too. And mind you, I remember seeing a Cardinal jersey, like a red one, and it looked like they just put like a black square randomly sewn in that said Hyundai. And I'm thinking to myself, who made that call? That's not good. <laughs> it just looks weird. Yeah, it looks like somebody just put a sticker and being like, there you go, come again. You can't do that. I mean, what do you take this for? No, and it's weird too because, like, especially in in NASCAR, that's something that we're just so used to seeing. Yeah. You just see sponsorship. Well, that that's everywhere. why I find it very ironic because sponsor it's very sponsor friendly in NASCAR, and yet somebody's worried about uh, something small on the sleeve, or instead of it being on the uh, sleeve, it's being on the chest. Everyone, you know, is raging like uh, the angry guy from the movie Inside Out. <laughs> You know, he's got fire going out of his head. <laughs> he's like, all right, man, we're not we're not doing this. We're not going to take it, and we're sick of it. <laughs> I'd be interested to know, like, what other sports pay, like, per game and stuff like that, because, like, um, the average NASCAR race car itself actually cost about $200,000. The average engine is about $100,000. The chassis is $25,000. And that's just for your main car for every single race. And these guys are showing up with backup cars also. Right. Yes. Yep. And we saw this week after the duels and stuff that quite a few guys needed those cars. Um, and then fire suits alone, I think they spend around $400,000 a season on fire suits. So and that's because they wear, right? They, yes. Well, they I can imagine every time you sweat, I mean, if you're losing like 10, 20 pounds in a race, the switch yeah. is gonna make that thing basically evaporate, right? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chase Elliott's was a mess after the championship last year. Oh, I, I can only that. I can only imagine. Like if your heart if your heart rate's at 150 beats a minute, times that by a couple hours, you wonder why everyone's retired and still real thin. <laughs> oh, definitely. Because <laughs> that so anxiety never left them. Nope. Nope. It's like, hey, this guy's in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He's six foot tall, hard and 55 pounds. <laughs> Michael Waltrip. <laughs> Some of them. Some well, I mean, of them. Even Tommy if you Stewart's look at, always uh, been a big boy, though. Well, yeah. It's actually funny because if you look at him and versus everybody else, he's probably been the biggest boy I've seen. Uh, Brendan Gaughan's a big boy. Michael McDowell, yeah, yeah. who actually won yesterday, is not a small guy either. But no, he's they're not. Typically, they're typically on the shorter side, around five foot eight to like five nine, five ten, and they're and they're pretty skinny guys. But they're usually they're actually really fit too, though, because these guys are also like most of them are, or quite a few of them are running marathons in their off time. They're cycling, they're swimming, they're doing all kinds of other extreme sports, and they're pretty fit. Um, 
not Martin Truex Jr. I don't think he, I think he's on record saying that he refuses to work out. He I think he just drinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, but he's still skinny. Somehow, some way. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's something funny and you're going to actually have this quote stick in your head for quite a while. And you want to know what that is? Yes. You're allowed to be porky in baseball. You're not wrong. I've noticed that. I I don't watch that much baseball just because I've never been able to get into the sport. But anytime I do hear it or see on ESPN, one of the first people I do see is uh, CC Sabathia. Well, I mean, I'll see him. I'll see uh, Prince Fielder. Yeah. Prince Prince Fielder. It's it's sad what happened to him. Um, He had a neck injury and he had to get surgery and he was forced into retirement. But because the Texas Rangers still had to pay him, during the COVID, because everyone had to take pay cuts, because he was on a dead money, fun fact, even though he did not play a single game, he was the most paid player in baseball last year. Wow. Yes, it was in the 20-some-odd million-dollar range. Wow. But CeCe Sabathia, it's different because he's a pitcher. But if you look up Pablo Sandoval, there's actually a clip where he's trying to swing the bat and he swings and misses and his belt literally explodes. <laughs> literally, literally. I will look look, that up. You could look that up on YouTube and you'll search it pretty quick. Swing, miss, pop. That's a big boy for that to happen. Yeah. That's a big boy. And you want to know what his nickname is? What? Panda. <laughs> As like I said, you could be porky in baseball, and I don't think there's a man alive that has the name Panda, who is tiny. No, I don't think so. If you're telling me so. that there's somebody you know that's tiny and named Panda, I'm assuming it is a rolly baby. <laughs> in a cute way. In a cute way. Oh, babies can be ugly. Nobody. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh man. Uh, and now I've never met a skinny panda. Exactly. So really, back to expanding the sport, how do these race car drivers when they go home and mind you, these are simple guys. They eat at the same restaurant as everybody else. They don't make it a big paparazzi around them. You know what I mean? They eat, they, they kind of just do the same thing we do. You know, they go, they don't need a VIP lounge. They don't need all this camaraderie. So what do you think that most of these drivers do when they're home in the off season to promote the sport? Uh, well, Speaking on Chase Elliott alone, um, coming off winning the championship last season, he did, I know he did the snowball derby. He did the chili bowl. He get, did a couple small door, uh, short tracks, dirt tracks around uh, Georgia and North Carolina, uh, the Rolex 24. I think he was just out there um, doing things that he wouldn't typically do things that he had done in the past. But I mean, way before his career ever started to take off and um, just, and, and 
there was a there was a few of those that like everyone knew about. We knew that he did the snowball derby because that was huge for him to be going back because that was one of his last races. He ran when he or he won when he ran that series. The Chili Bowl, we knew he was doing the Rolex 24 because that's one of the biggest like uh, coming together of drivers from all over the world. Um, so those things we were aware that he did, but he did a couple dirt tracks um, in North Carolina, I think Georgia, Alabama. And I didn't know that he did those until I spoke to his spotter, um, Eddie DeHunt, last week. And Eddie DeHunt told me that Chase did all those things. So it's like, could you just, um, ju I just imagine like being a fan of his and of the sport and being at my local dirt track back home. And all of a sudden Chase Elliott's here to compete like with a bunch of nobodies to the sport, but I mean, maybe people in your hometown, but I mean, like just him being out there and promoting the sport like that, but it not like he wasn't doing it for recognition. He was doing that because he's already been nicknamed the people's champ and I mean, yeah. he, he is though. He really is. He's that guy who's out there. So, um, I know a lot of them, a lot of them have done, um, though a lot of them have a lot of charities set up or a few charities set up and, uh, they're out in public just being themselves. I don't know. I mean, and it's such a short off season too, though. Yeah, it is. Which is great as a fan get done in November and you're right back into it mm -hmm. uh, begin the February I get my football playoffs Super Bowl happens and I know the Daytona 500s the next weekend it's perfect yeah and I and I endured a lot of pain this recent Super Bowl <laughs> I I really did now mind you you know <laughs> that I'm a I'm a, I live in Connecticut I work in New York and you want to know something Tom Brady is kryptonite to me. And do you want to know what this is? Oh, uh, hey, oh it's the Chiefs Super Bowl. <laughs> that this year or last year's? If you have one from this year, that's probably rare because it needs to find its way to a poor country because that's what they do with all the Super Bowl merchandise that isn't used. They basically, wow. you know how they have like uh, – one team, if they win, the R team, if they win, and the R stuff that goes to somewhere, well, you'll never see it again. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was last year's. I have the jersey in my closet. Yes, I'm a Chief fan. I got Larry Johnson signed a mini helmet above my head. You know, this was after the Priest home days. But, yes, that was probably my most painful memory in all sports. But – it's funny because when you mention that promotion, you know, it's quiet. It's on the, you know, it's just to the heart. And if you go by baseball outside the Miami Marlins, uh, right after Derek Jeter took over, what he was doing was he was donating uh, buckets of balls to all these uh, youth leagues, you know, just because, you know, baseball costs between five and $10 a piece now, which sucks, but it's what it is. But that was their way of promoting the team and promoting the game. Outside that, you don't see a lot of big name players, at least when they're American, promoting the smaller leagues. Otherwise, it's usually covered. You know what I mean? Because somebody wants in on it. It could be Pepsi. It could be Adidas. It could be Nike. It's just promotion of them. And they'd want to capitalize on that. But to be honest with you, the only thing that really seems to be promoted in a good way consistently is the video game. 
I kid you not, if you look at the last five years between the four major sports of baseball, football, hockey, basketball, Madden has been awful since 2012, from what people told me. <laughs> the NHL seems to be roster flips with 2K, with uh, hockey and basketball. There doesn't seem to be much of more of a change going. But everyone seems to be happy with MLB The Show. Everybody, you know, buys the update. Everyone wants to get advanced because of the perks, the dynasty mode that they have. It's gone really popular with uh, fans. But again, outside, it's like, hey, download last year's game for free for a limited time. There's not much really to do there. I mean, I'm willing to go out. Like once I'm figured out uh, what's going on in my town, I want to see if I could donate a bucket of balls or, Hey, if a kid's a couple of bucks short, I want to make sure he could play and get the uniform. You know what I mean? It comes down to things like that. That helps advance the game. I'm not sure what everybody else does outside of pay their taxes out of their massive contract. Yeah. Like Manny Machado's $300 million contract. Apparently he's only keeping like 160 of it because of California taxes. That's ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, just imagine that. If you sign that in Florida, you don't pay a nickel. Oh. That's, why the, Mi- that's why the Miami Dolphin tank job was okay. All they needed was one offseason because if you're a schmuck like Eric Flowers, you're saying, hey, guess what? If it don't pan out, hey, wife and kids, retirement. Because once you find that house in Florida and it's comfy, you're staying in Florida most likely. That's what everyone says. Yeah, I don't, I don't know any like big time NASCAR contracts. You you hear for the most part, these guys might have like a four or five year deal with the team. If that that's it's kind of rare to, to hear about, but you really don't hear them, you know, having you know, triple digit million dollar contracts. A lot of times they still have to work and work with their sponsors. And if they decide to leave teams, they almost have to figure out if their sponsors are gonna go with them and stuff like that. But I haven't really heard of any major like contract like like contract stuff with anybody it's like borderline lacrosse at that point yeah (laughs) nascar players get or nascar drivers get paid based on how they perform oh and i like that never guaranteed money Mm -hmm. like i said if you're if you're towards the tail end it's like playing professional lacrosse and mind you in america the average salary is eight grand a year over in uh europe the premier league lacrosse which an NFL wide receivers retiring to go get drafted in. It's about $30,000 a year with benefits. Wow. Wow. And that is a major pay cut, obviously, because on NFL roster, it's probably, I think veteran minimums, probably like, uh, like the 900 grand range. I know. And in, and in NASCAR, that's a gold mine, of course. Yeah, I know Chase Elliott. Um, well, and that's going back to like it depends on how you perform. I don't remember exactly what Chase made last year, but I know um, that unless you're like one of those top guys, those top guys are making a couple million every year. But that's imagine. basically it like one to two, maybe three million a year. Chase Elliott, I, I'll have to look it up. Um, but those guys down there at the bottom are not making anywhere near that. 
It's like so the it's, it's like the minor leagues essentially. Yeah. Yeah, fighting tooth and nail just for yeah. you know a sponsorship for next week, maybe the week after. Yeah, um, and you know they show up with fire suits with not you know nothing on them. We talked about the advertisements. But a lot of these guys would show up to their teams and they have absolutely nothing on their fire suits. Sometimes their cars are completely blanked out. Uh, and then if you get lucky, like I think um, like a couple of guys, like like Ryan Vargas has been fighting for a couple of things and he ended up having TikTok be one of his sponsors last year and that whole car got done up. Uh, if you saw it a couple of weeks prior, it was just nothing but a red car with nothing else on it. That's what he's back to <laughs> right now, actually. He's yeah. back to his red car because he's out of sponsors. Yeah. So it's a little bit sad. Yeah. I mean, like, how big or little can these sponsors be? You know what I mean? It's like if a fan just being like, hey, dude, I got a small business and I know that thing takes gas. It's like, hey, could you it's like, hey, you want to put like just literally a sticker because I'm putting fifty dollars in your tank. Does that count? <laughs> We've actually joked about that. I've just we told Rafael Assard we'd give him 50 bucks to put in his tank just put a tiny little sticker of our logo on the side of his truck. But no, that doesn't. Now, if you got, if you got uh, 10,000 fans to donate 50 bucks, uh, that would do something for you. But other than that, I'm just saying a little bit helps. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like, uh, you know, just uh, courtesy Rudin. And uh, also one thing in baseball, because we're talking like these insane salaries, they gutted, the minor league system shortly after they redid all the salaries. Now, before there was all these levels, you could name them off. Now I looked at it. I looked at my New York Yankees and there's, there used to be a lot of teams. Now there's only four minor league teams. Wow. Wow. You would think there, there used to be more. Yeah, I know. I know with the like the NASCAR system, they don't they have a farm system in place, but I guess for certain drivers, they they kind of have their own like driver academies, like they like a Toyota racing you know development team. So they bring up drivers that are, you know still in their teens and they're not legally allowed to be on these like you know two mile raceways and stuff like that. So they do have uh, kind of driver academies like that. Sometimes they do fall out. Um, Haley Deegan used to drive, I believe, what was it, Chevy or was it Toyota? She, Haley Deegan, you know, she's an up and coming driver. She used to drive her Toyota and then she decided to drop out and then she went under the Ford development. And I think if we were to talk about her career as it is now, she's where she's at now just because she switched from the manufacturer of Toyota to Ford. And you have a lot of these other guys are just trying to, you know, make their way by who aren't in these driver academies. So, uh, it's almost kind of the same situation when you come you talk about the, the minor league system. Some of these guys just don't have any backing whatsoever, while the other ones have, you know, somewhat of a driver academy or manufacturer backing to keep them in. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's probably the same thing even in the minor, in the minor uh, development system. There's probably, you know, you get winnings based on performance, right? Right. Yep. Well, I remember this, the, the minimum wage essentially every week. Now, these, these guys, I think, get benefits, and I think that's all being sorted. But because of the virus and everything else going on, now they have another league where it's draft league-ready prospects like high school and college. 
there's five teams, they get to travel and they play and just to see if this is right for them, because there's so many times where a team will pick somebody in the first round and the guy will be like, yeah, sorry, I'm going to school. Now, mind you, some of these guys have turned on signing bonuses of $5 million just so they could, you know, go to college. And me personally, I'm taking that money and I'm running because you never know if I'm going to get hurt. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that they scratch their head and they're saying, wait, what? You're doing what? I'm playing ball for $5 million. Just, and mind you, that's a signing bonus. You get that as soon as you sign the check. As soon as you sign the contract, they give you that check you put in your bank. Boom, done. As long as you play everything else, right? Just make it to the field. You got that. Enjoy it as as you wish. It's crazy. But then it's like these minor league salaries. The minimum is four hundred, and the max is seven hundred. Like triple A, you're just about ready. You're getting seven hundred bucks a week. Ooh, that's that's rough. <laughs> that is rough. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure how they're getting uh, the meals paid for, everything else. Uh, In my town, um, if you look on my uh, Twitter, you'll see the Danbury Westerners. That is a nonprofit uh, college league. They, you know, they've stayed in, uh, you know, uh, families, homes that have uh, given them a spare bedroom. And there's people that love doing this. Uh, They get meals by the team. They're uh, college commits. So there's obviously flexibility going because the college team for them comes first. There's some guys that could only pitch like uh, X amount innings because the college team told them to. Yeah. Just like, just straight up like rules like that. I know when we stepped the station in Boulder Rock and we had a minor league team out there, uh, I forgot what they were called, but I did talk to some people that were, that seemed to be like the, the season, the season ticket holders. And they did say that they kind of have like a, a chaperone, kind of like they would stay with a, a family. They didn't, you know, yes. not, not relative or anything like that. Yes. And they would just stay with a family. And I was, I thought to myself, I was like, if I was a player, either, you know, out of the state or even out of the country, and I come to, you know, Little Rock, Arkansas or something like that, and I have to stay with this family, I feel like you're just constantly moving. And I think, I think baseball is one of those things where you're constantly moving teams too, right? Uh, the travel schedule, uh, lightened up with COVID. So what they're doing is they were staying within conferences like West, mostly staying in the West, Central, Central, East, East, not too much, uh, cross, uh, playing, but, uh, there's a, there's a road trips. They don't kind of do it all, uh, all at the same time. It's not like you play three games in Cleveland and then you go home to play in New York. And then after those four games, you go straight to LA. They have a certain amount of times. They, okay. The way they figure it out is quite different, but there's a road trip and then there's a homestead, that kind of thing. It's okay. not, con- it's not constantly moving. Uh, there is uh, in April, just to get things started, there's more off days. Whereas down the stretch, I want to say in August, September, there's not a lot of off days. Okay, because I know like with the NASCAR schedule, a lot of these guys do come from the North Carolinas, uh, you know, sometimes in the Virginia like area. So uh, most of the scheduling, most of the tracks are all in that little, you know, East Coast area. So yeah. a lot of these guys, they don't need to take planes to go home 
they don't need to take helicopters or anything like that. They usually kind of just ride their own RVs or their haulers. And then, you know, they get to sleep for maybe a night or two in their own house. And then they're right back on the road, you know, going four or five hours down the street to the next track, uh, getting ready. And they do, you know, they do the whole shebang again for the next week. And then uh, right now, early in the season, that's when they do their, their West Coast swing. And they don't come back out here until the end of September, usually. So um, yeah. they're getting ready to do their West Coast swing. So right now they're, they're back home, probably, you know, sleeping in their own beds. And then all of like all of February and March, they're probably going to be all the way over here buying the hotels and stuff like that. So uh, that's nice to know that, you know, baseball players aren't constantly getting shuffled around. Uh, it it kind of comes like this. It's like, if you got a road trip, right. There's sometimes where the road trip is like, uh, like if you're going West coast, right. Let's say the Yankees play uh, the angels and then they go and play the A's. So three game sets. Right. And let's say it's a six game road trip, whatever. Now, I'm not sure about if there's a travel day in between. I don't think there would be. But at the end of the day, right, for three games apiece, you're going to be guaranteed that you're sleeping in that same bed again, which is nice. Game one, sleep in the same bed. Game two and three, same bed. But afterwards, the travel arrangement's there. Now, there's some guys where I kind of say to myself, right, because if you look at the my New York Yankee division, right, now, there's been talk about it being moved, right? But usually it's all regional. But think about these cities, the Bronx, New York, Boston, Baltimore, Toronto. That kind of seems in the same area, quick flights. Right. Tampa Bay, Florida. Pretty far. <laughs> Far in comparison. Now, now, mind, now yeah. mind you, right? I think these guys are taking flights regardless. But I think if it's going to be a division series, because of Florida's not marketable for baseball, and I think that's holding uh, – there's a lot of things that's holding Major League Baseball back, if you know what I mean, just simply because of – but by the way they market the game, but they're also afraid of certain expansions. Like you got two teams in Florida, both aren't doing well. And they're scared to go to Las Vegas, but they got a minor league team there. Because if you didn't know, um, this is back to uh, football, Stephanie, but did you know that the city of Oakland denied three stadiums for three current active teams in sports? No. I didn't know that. They were not making a stadium for the Warriors. They denied making a new stadium for the Raiders. And even though Oakland is very loyal to their athletics, they're not making a new stadium. So guess what? One went across the Bay. One went to Vegas. And right now what happens, even though you don't have to advertise Raiders games in September, if you're the Oakland athletic fans, if you're one of the many that if you look at the place, it's could do better in attendance. The owner's not spending money. You need a bigger market. You need a new stadium. So you got either two options, Vegas or suck friggin' wind. And I'm debating if MLB is going to pull the trigger. Same thing with the Tampa team. Does awful in attendance. They say, oh, it's just a young team. But it's like, yeah, but outside the Yankee fans that live in Tampa, 
the other, the fans of other teams that live in the Tampa Bay area, you need ratings, you need attendance, you need sold merchandise. And there's this plan that they have in the back of their mind where we could go back to Montreal. That's where the, the nationals used to play there and they're called the Expos. And this quack job of an owner said, Hey, half of our home games will do it in Tampa and the other half will do it in Montreal. And I'm like, can't you pick one? <laughs> so if I say this logically as someone who's not following the sport, doesn't it just sound like somebody is jacked up on Red Bull and just saying whatever is on his mind without thinking? Well, it definitely does. Definitely Why don't does. you have two home stadiums? Does that make any sense to anybody? No. Not at all. Exactly my point. <laughs> but it there's no there's no track problems in NASCAR, is there? Yeah. Like as far uh, as location, anything? There's a there's a few. Um, I know Fontana was hurting for attendance for a while, so they've actually taken that from a, a mile and a half track to a half a mile track. So they're adding a third short track to the to the circuit or fourth. I can't remember, um, but they're adding another short track. They're changing Fontana. Um, Texas was having attendance problems, so they have switched from their oval to Coda, which is a road course. Um, Interesting. Bristol, I, Bristol, they made a dirt track this year, but I don't think Bristol's ever hurt for attendance because nah. now uh, it's Bristol, Bristol Tennessee, Tennessee, if I'm correct, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I I always get that mixed up because within an hour from me, there's a Bristol, Connecticut. Oh, <laughs> that, that's why. Yeah, that's no, why. Bristol, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, I think Phoenix. Uh, back when it was ISM was actually hurting for a little while, but then they ended up making that the last two seasons. That's been the championship uh, track. So people are showing up to that just to see who gets crowned the champion. Um, Yeah. NASCAR has some tracks. They try repaving or they try changing the banking and stuff like that. Sometimes it makes it better. Sometimes it makes it worse. It made Texas worse. Definitely uh, did. When they did that there, but yeah, NASCAR has some issues, but fans are still pretty loyal to the sport, I think. Yeah, there's so some people where – now, this I hate bringing up politics, and I'm an anti-politic guy, but I think this needs to be said. When they took down the – they said we're banned the Confederate flag, mm-hmm. there's some people that said, listen, they put politics in every single sport – I don't want a NASCAR. And there's some people where, okay, the Confederate flag, I'm like, okay, finally, it's out of here. Forget about it, whatever. And then as soon as it went to Black Lives Matter, there's a lot of these loyal fans that have been watching it since they've been kids. Some of them are in their 50s and 60s said, listen, I just can't do it because it's all politics now. Do you think that affected a lot of people? Um, Yeah. I think it brought more people to be honest. I mean, uh, the, the ratings might, might look a little bit different. Might it might look a little bit skewed, but, uh, it, their NASCAR's, uh, I guess drive to build more inclusion and diversity has definitely helped them, uh, more than it has hurt them. Uh, a lot of the people that do say that, you know, there's too much, too much politics have been the same people that have probably said that they, you know, NASCAR hasn't been the same since Dale Earnhardt Sr. died. <laughs> so, 
there's there's a little bit of an old school um, old you know old guard uh, to to NASCAR. I think that's with any sport. Whenever you talk about like the his you know the history of stuff, I think there's still Houston Oilers fans there. You know that complain about the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans and. You know, they have little gripes and stuff like that. And but as far as the same thing with the scandals that have gone <laughs> over and over and kept being covered up and, yeah, you know, the substances being used. Like, think about this way. There's been a substance that was used. They said Ted Williams. That's right. Teddy ball game. Ted Williams, Hall of Famer, one of the best hairs to ever play the game. They said after he got back from war, from World War Two. He brought back greenies, little green pills. People were taking them like M&Ms in the clubhouse. And if you, this is uh, one of the, <laughs> I guess when you think of black baseball players, you think of Daryl Strawberry right away. He said, listen, you had to take those because it made the ball look like a freaking beach ball. <laughs> That's what he said. He goes, that made the ball look like a beach ball. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, those were probably banned in the 80s. No, those weren't banned until 2006. That's that's not that. I mean, it's a little bit of a go, but it's not that long ago. The 40s until 2006. So that ended recently. And also, that went for far longer than it should have been. Same thing with the Confederate flag ban. I mean, there was... There was an incident a couple years ago. I'm not bringing it up, but it was brought to news that said this should be eliminated from society. And I'm very surprised that NASCAR didn't try to kibosh it then. This is probably back to 2015 or so, if I want to guess something around there. I think, um, I think the issue, no, not the issue. And this is like in no way justifying how long it took NASCAR, but I believe their worry was because just like Chris said, like NASCAR died when Earnhardt died. A lot of people felt that way. And that's really the people who have followed the sport, like trying to reach out to the young crowd to, to reach out to um, just different people in general, black people, um, Hispanics, women. Also um, it's just been NASCAR has had this, this set group of people that have been their fans for so long the good old boys white southern america um so taking away and i feel like i can say that because i'm i'm literally white southern america myself like um i think that like to try to take that away from them they were afraid that they would lose their fan base and that they wouldn't get enough back to make up for what they lost but then i think when bubba came in and everything that happened last season, it was the perfect opportunity for NASCAR. I think it took too long, but they finally, when that happened and with Black Lives Matter going on across the entire U.S., everything that was happening in politics, period, Bubba was the perfect opportunity for NASCAR to finally make the right move, to Agreed. finally do the right thing. And they had somebody that could put it out there and bring in that diver- the diverse crowds like Women had Danica for a little while, even though Danica sucked at the sport, but um, women had Danica and that kind of brought more females in. And now Bubba's bringing in more African-Americans. Um, you have people like Daniel Suarez, who is, um, is Mexican. He's got his following of people like it took forever, but I think NASCAR was slow about it because they didn't know exactly how to do it and have had the perfect opportunity in the last couple of years. And 
Um, I personally, even though it did take so long, I think they're doing a really good job um, attacking it. I think they're doing a good job and doing the right things. Um, banning Kyle Larson last year or firing him after everything that happened with him, the entire uh, sport supporting Bubba after the noose in the garage incident. Um, it's, it's, it's been great to see the sport grow as a fan. And like Chris said, the people that were losing, I mean, if they have that mentality, I don't really know if I care if they like my sport. Um, the people that were gaining though are much more um, important people and uh, actually bring something to the fan base, I think, so that people don't look at all of us like dumb Southern people who hate everyone. Those, those are good words. And it's funny when people say like, oh, don't want to be involved in this sport or whatever else. I mean, I very take it, I take it very lightly when it comes to ratings because they say that no one's watching football. Now, the Super Bowl matchup was down, but I also think the game wasn't that great. Also, they announced that so many companies were not doing commercials. They said right off the bat, before you watch the Super Bowl, they said no Pepsi, no Coke, no Budweiser, no Ford. And I'm like, whoa, those are some heavy hitters right there, man. Yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, you got – even though Bud Light, you know, it's all under the Budweiser umbrella. They did a couple of commercials. I'm like, okay, so please tell me we have M&Ms and we have uh, GM. I think they did a good job, all that. But you want to know what the very funny thing is why I don't care about ratings so much. And I know there's going to be people that are not involved in the sport that you love. They're going to comment. For instance, if you think about it, right? I never thought in a million years that a black woman was going to wave the green flag to Daytona 500 and Sasha Banks. I didn't yeah. think during this shutdown that Alvin Kamara would comment about NASCAR and saying, this is why it will never grow. I never thought that this would ever be possible until just recent. And this is only going to be good for the game. And for those people in my sport that say, oh, well, baseball's uh, too slow. Well, we've seen NFL penalties go on for it seems like 20 minutes on what's the call and them not knowing what a catchable football is and then them running out of bounds and viewing things and showboating. There's all this garbage going on where sometimes the last five minutes of a game lasts too damn long. But also, right, if you're going to go by, oh, well, if the people that are watching more basketball want uh, baseball to be faster, we should do so. Well, the NBA ratings are down because they only put their stock in like eight teams for a couple of years in the late 2010s. And you want to know a fact? Did you know that more people are watching golf than watching the NBA basketball right now? I can believe it. I watch golf. I also <laughs> watch NBA though, but. <laughs> I, yes, yes. Um, don't, don't you do the thunder with McConnell? No, no, no. Oh, no, no. oh, I'm, oh no. sorry. Somebody else. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm a Hornets fan. And ah, we've been, gotcha. we're trash. So, well, a actually, I will say because I mean, well, you probably see the logo here, but uh, mm -hmm. you got something going for you. Don't doubt yourself. And even though I'm thinking of Michael Jordan needs to step off the gas on NASCAR and focus on the Hornets, well, 
he's in in between phase and also with none of this political stuff happened like the ban of the flag and Bubba Wallace did you think Michael Jordan who is a let's just face it he's one of the biggest cash cows in America as far as sports would he I, ever be involved if that if that was the case I mean for granted I mean the guys that are shifting are wearing the gloves with the Jordan logo on it Mm-hmm. He he's been involved. He's been involved a little bit into in the sport, uh, you know, with Denny Hamlin, with Denny just Hamlin. with Denny Hamlin for a couple of years. But I mean, if you look, if, you, if it was if this was 2019, and you were to tell a casual NASCAR fan that someone you know, kind of knows a little bit about the sport, and you were to tell a hardcore NASCAR fan that not only Michael Jordan would own the team, but also Pitbull. You know, <laughs> Mr. Worldwide also owns the NASCAR team. That's that's unheard of. If anything, you would have heard another country music star might have tried to fund the team or something like that. But, you know, for everything that's happened in the last two years for us to now have Michael Jordan and Pitbull and, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys, a lot of celebrities. Are actually well, well, that's, into- well, that's what I'm saying. If you told me Blake Shelton, fine. Michael yeah. Jordan, <laughs> he's no longer a closet investor, if you, if I may. Right. The fact that he's on the course, you know, taking pictures with them. Hey, this is my guy. I mean, the fact that there's pride in it, it just shows you if it's going in the past dire- in the next direction. Looking yeah. at all the the drama, the BS, and it's moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I mean, like, just like you were saying though, Chris, like, because we know that he's been involved, I, I could kind of see it, but I do think like the average, average NASCAR fan wouldn't have, wouldn't have seen that coming, but just like knowing his friendship with Denny Hamlin and the relationship that they've had over the years, I wasn't incredibly surprised by it, especially knowing that RPM was releasing Bubba Wallace. It just seemed like it was, it was going to happen before they actually told us it was going to happen. Um, to a lot of us, I think probably to Chris and I, we saw it coming, but I think for others, yeah. not, not really. I remember um, joking in the mid two thousands that Nike would be a big endorsement and the car would look like an air force one. <laughs> I could see that. You got the you got the black holes in the hood and there's just, you know, little sticker sponsors in between them. Oh yeah. Big swoosh on the side. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a joke. Uh, me and uh, a buddy of mine, uh, and his father's a big uh, NASCAR fan. They go down to uh, Charlotte uh, when they can. Just how it goes. All in good love. Yeah. I think that's probably, like, just being a fan. And Chris and I, and Matt also, we've talked about this on our show, um, NASCAR really, I think, gets a bad rap just because what people assume that we are like as fans and with the whole Confederate flag and all that stuff. But as fans, I think it's nice because even if we don't like another person's driver, it's so easy to just hang out with people at that game or at that race. It's so easy to sit beside a fan of another driver to share a beer or not share a beer. That's disgusting. To to. <laughs> Cheers beers, share beer with them. Um, just have, have a conversation, barbecue before, just get shit faced. It's, it's a great time. And, and being a fan of the sport, like I, 
I love all the fans of this sport for the most part. You got a couple toxic ones. Oh um, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. But well, I mean, it's, NASCAR races are just fun. They're so much fun. Have you ever been? I've, I've seen a few. I've never seen uh, I've never seen a NASCAR live. Live. Like I've never okay. seen it like live, like in front of me. I, I have not. It is a different beast. It's absolutely because you can sit there and what would be a boring race on TV because you're just sitting there watching it. If you're watching it live, I'm never bored. I'm never bored just because the sound and the feeling in my stomach and watching those cars go around and around and getting to see my driver up close like that. It's and just in the in the the feeling of being there with other fans. It's I think so the, much the fun. I think the fan experience. Uh, if you've never taken someone there and you go all out, one of the first mm-hmm. things uh, I think me and Steph can agree is take the person all the way down to the to the catch fence. And right as the cars come by, you can the air gets a little bit cold. And then all of a sudden cars go by, it's loud. And then you feel every single one of the 40 cars, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a hit straight to your chest. Um, if you have the radio headsets on, it's almost like listen to an NFL game live where you get to listen to the, the drive, you know, the coach. Like the, yeah. So it's like mic'd up. So uh, whenever you have the headsets on, you can listen to the driver complaining about his car, the crew chief's not calming down, and the spotter just talking his ear off, going like, there's a car, there's a car next to you, there's a car coming this way, you're slow in this corner, and stuff like that. So uh, I think the whole fan experience, if you've never been, it, it will completely change your whole mindset. Uh, mindset on like how this whole sport works together it's an absolute, it's an absolute uh, experience i mean my, i mean mind you i've been to the other sports before i mean i've, I've seen hockey uh mm-hmm. i was at a uh, dc game and i ironically i didn't realize it until uh a long time later but uh kobe bryant was uh playing against the wizards uh the wizards didn't win that game this is probably 2008 seven i want to say i've been to baseball games i've been to football games but i mean it's definitely unique because if you have a, something racing past you nothing gets more unique than that Mm-mm. it can't be duplicated no and there's so much more to it than turning left and occasionally right <laughs> i mean like I, I imagine you saw it yesterday just when you were watching the 500 like like you said, with uh, Ryan Priest and pitch strategy, there's so much more than just that driver out there turning his car to the left. Like the guy who's out front is wasting way more fuel than the guy who's right behind him going just as fast and not putting the wear and tear on his engine. He's not losing the fuel. His tires are doing better, but he's going the exact same speed as the guy in front of him. But there's so much more to it than, than just hopping in a car and driving. Because if there wasn't, then I'd be a race car driver. But... But I'm not good like that. I can't do that. Yes, it it is it is uh, it is something uh, interesting. Uh, I don't got too much as far as questions to go, but uh, there's always change in the sport. Um, are you happy that they're going uh, indie style with the single lug nut or no? Ah. Uh. That's tough. I know. I know a lot of it's kind of one of those diehard questions that, that you're going to get mixed reviews on. For me, Absolutely. the only thing that counts for me is the product on the track. Um, pit, pit strategy is a whole other concept, but they still have to change the tires. 
whether they do one lug nut or six or five or whatever it is, they still have to have that guy be skilled in that one area. Now, maybe it might be a single lug nut, but honestly, the product on the track and if the cars can race close together, uh, if the guys can actually fight a little bit more, is for me, it's just a product on the track. Um, them changing the, the, the lug nut really isn't that big of a deal for me. But if you ask somebody a little bit older than myself, you know, in that, in that 50, that 40, 50 range, they're going to, they're going to, no, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I'm not talking about you, <laughs> but uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely uh, speaking to a specific crowd. Those guys are probably just saying, you know, my sport's changing. I don't like to change and everything like that. We're becoming too much like F1, but if anything, I think it's a, a vast design to move the, the sport forward. If anything, then, you know, regress it back. I need to see it. I'm one of those who needs to see it first um, and see how it plays out because I love pit crews. I think those guys are so talented, so skilled They're They just have to be so focused. Um, and perfect example. We saw it with Chase Elliott at, at uh, was it Martinsville? With his, uh, his guy went off and then came back. Yep. He jumped the wall too early and that you're not allowed to leave pit wall before your driver is within one stall of his and he came over the wall too early, which would have made Chase have a penalty, which would have he would have had to during green flag laps come just slowly drive through pit road again, which would have cost him his chance of winning at Martinsville, which would have inevitably cost him his championship because he had to win at Martinsville to make it to the next round. Um, and his his Jack man who jumped over early had practice um, that practice doing exactly that before. He had to go back to the wall, reset himself, wait, and then he could come back out and attempt the pit stop. And if he hadn't done that, Chase's chances were gone. But because he was so focused and, and had practiced this over and over and over again, he, he pretty much saved it. He almost ruined it, but then he saved it. Like, so I'll be interested to see how the lug nuts affect um, pit stops because I think those guys are like unsung heroes on teams and of the sport and and i don't know how it's going to change pit stops and how it's going to change their job i mean aren't there some guys uh better than others i mean has everyone got the same exact tools i mean um they do they do but some are better than others oh i can imagine i mean i'm a i'm a trades guy myself i mean i've actually got an impact gun that was better than uh this husky you know uh impact gun at 120 pounds of pressure yeah. So, I mean, I mean like, regardless, if you just got to get one lug nut off a piece, I could think that if you're obviously one of those smaller time drivers, less pit time, regardless of everybody else on there. I mean, it might be a time where if you think about it, right, if everyone's on board with it, could you imagine it being quicker to change tires than it is to fuel up? Well, that's what, yeah, that's what I'll be interested in to see because they still have to get fuel in the car. So are they changing the way the fuel goes into the tank also so that it'll be faster? Not, I don't not know. that they made the headline and mind you, if a headline came to me, it's basically to everyone. Like that is a wide open sport. Like it, like NASCAR doesn't showcase a lot. There's not a lot of breaking news. Well, if I know about it, I'm pretty sure it was just that. I think the fuel's the same. But I'm kind of thinking to myself, right? You could only have fuel flow so quick mm-hmm. into that tank. 
So if that thing's if you're waiting for that tank to be full and you got obviously pulled out, otherwise it's a penalty. I'm thinking, is there a chance that all four tires could be changed just as fast, if not faster, than fueling up? It's almost well, it's almost already simultaneous yeah. right now with, with the little amounts that they have. Fast. Yeah. So it'll be even faster. So they'll be sitting there waiting on fuel. Yeah, could you could you just imagine, you know, everyone's just staring at the guy holding a tank and they're just like, <laughs> How long? I think that's what it's gonna be like. I mean, as far as change goes, uh, I got an interesting one for you. Now, what I have here, I'm not sure if you know about how a lot of pitchers in baseball cheat. Oh, yeah. I, I know nothing about that. Well, here's a common thing. Now, if you see this white bag in front of me, this is uh, rosin. It's basically just a bag of powder. It's to get moisture. And MLB pitchers, they got this on a mound. You know, you could put on your arm. I mean, it's allowed to help you get grip on the ball. But what a lot of times people do is if you go by this, this stick is actually pine tar. Yeah, I've seen a lot of pine tar. So what happens here, Chris, is there's pitchers. I mean, they'll put it up. I mean, if you look at this up, right, it's just a regular stick. I mean, this is basically small. I mean, yeah. probably two and a half times the diameter of a regular tube of chapstick. But, I mean, there's people that put on the brim of the hat, the wrist, sometimes inside of their glove. And what they do, right, is with with foul balls being at the highest rate it's ever been because everyone's trying to hit a home run out of the park, it's just a bad trend in baseball at the moment. But what I do is I've just, I just wanted to fool around with it. So if I show you the grip on it, right? Right. I throw my – this would be my cut fastball right here. So what happens here, right, is this would allow me because a lot of people, they rub the ball off because there's a new finish on the leather. They want to try and get a grip on it. So here, my fingers are on the leather, so it's not too bad. I could throw without it. However, if we go to the curveball – what happens when you throw your curveball? Here's my thumb. All right. It's on the lace. My right. middle finger is diagonally across from it. My left finger, you don't use. You see how my finger is up right now? Yeah. You're taught how to throw a curveball with your index finger in the air because this isn't used. The reason why pitchers put it down is so somebody doesn't see you throw it. Kind of like, just like an illusion? Yes. They want to disguise the ball so they don't know what pitch is coming. That's why every pitch is disguised in the glove. You, I don't, you don't uh, spin the ball around behind your back. Some guys do that, but you can <laughs> give up what you're trying to do. Right. But I've noticed, right? Because if you squeeze this ball as hard as you can, you throw it, it's going to go straight in the dirt. <laughs> But I've noticed, right, with the pine tar on the laces, I could loosen up my grip and I could throw it and it does have more movement on it that way. That's interesting. I've never now, I've never seen anything about that. 
Now, mind you, there's been people that have been doctoring the ball. I mean, it's been a thing since probably the 1800s, okay? And they've been trying to stay on top of this, but the main reason why managers don't do this is because 75 to 90% of pitchers doctor the ball. Sounds like a lot, but guess what? You're not going to rat on the starting pitcher when the guy who's going to be pitching soon has pine tar underneath the hat. You don't want to put yourself right. in jeopardy because if that pitcher's caught, he's tossed out of the game and most likely will be suspended. A couple of games is a couple of games. So they're trying to crack down on it. And I'm just thinking to myself, if you legalize another substance, wouldn't it make things easier? But of course, as you can imagine, I get attacked, uh, attacked by the purists all the time. All the time. They rip me, dude. You have no idea. Oh, we might as well give the batter uh, a metal bat. What else do you want to do, you buffoon? You Philistine. Like, they want to reprimand me like uh, I'm disrespecting golf culture. And I'm like, hey, easy, booms. This isn't the country club. This is baseball. I think NASCAR has that 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 problem too, but a few things. I think this new car is bringing one of those issues uh, to light with you know just upgrading stuff, um, even with certain things like speeding on pit road. Or NASCAR is one, probably one of the few racing sports that doesn't have a a pit speed limiter. Now, a lot of people kind of think that's that's a kind of barbaric thing to have nowadays. To you know, the guys have to manage their own speed instead of just hitting the button. So uh, I would have to talk to Steph about that, but there's there's quite a bit of things in NASCAR that everyone kind of thinks, you know, everyone does it anyhow. But if you get caught cheating, um, there's I think there's a couple drivers that we know of that <laughs> if they are fast and qualifying, uh, they're usually still going to start in the back because they'll get caught cheating with something. They won't pass, yeah. you know, pre-race inspection. MTJ. But but I everybody knows that they're fast. A long time ago. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. good. A long time ago, because there's a suspension problem, but he goes, you know, once you get at 85 miles an hour, it raises up to the same damn height. So it's not a factor, but I get it. So essentially it means it's like something happened and you're man up to it and whatever. But then there's some times where, I mean, the whole, all the decals and everything else is a sticker now, right? For the most part, it's just a wrap. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just a vinyl wrap, like if you want your car a different color, whatever. But if you think about it, right, and I've said this. Now, I went to school to paint cars. I got out of business, but it was a tri-stage paint job, right? You did a primer, you did a base coat, you did a clear, right? Yeah. Back then, old cars. Mm -hmm. So if you go by technicalities, right? If your painter is heavy, heavier on the primer versus a guy that just dusts it on and says, oh, I'm getting the base coat, there's a chance that there could be a couple ounces less on the primer work and everything else on the car. And what happens if a guy uses a, well, if a guy just decides like, you know, what, I'm just going to single stage the car and say the hell with it. Isn't that technically cheating? Doesn't yes. there have to be a protocol in effect? Well, uh, I know when Danica entered the league, a lot of drivers had is, took issue with how small she is uh, because she was like 30, 40 pounds lighter than the other drivers. And that gave her an advantage in their mind, which clearly it didn't because she never won. 
No, um, not at all. But I think 100% of NASCAR teams cheat. 100%. I don't think it's like to extreme extents, but um, there's they're always trying to find the gray areas. They're always trying to toe the line. They're always trying to get away with something. And as a fan, it per- I personally, it doesn't bother me. Um, I think if it's like just blatant cheating and like, your front splitter is supposed to be a half an inch off the ground. And this guy's is like three inches off the ground. That's different, but like towing the line, they all do it. So it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me. Um, Hey, my thought is this, if you could spin somebody out and run the risk and have everybody else behind you, obviously cheating is a part of this game. You know, it's like, eh, what was that car? Eh, eh, screw him. We saw that last night in the last last two laps. Hey, yes, a kid could learn that by watching a movie Cars in the first race. Okay, a kid could learn yep. a kid could learn it then. So if my sister learned that at a young age of five or six years old, it's just part of it. Yeah, want to fire somebody up if he pisses you off? Guess what? Fair game. Gloves are off. There's a a legend. In the NASCAR community, uh, this man was just <laughs> known for finding loopholes and rule books, and just they literally had to almost half the rule book in NASCAR is probably just is made, built because of him. Built because of him, and this man's you know he's had gas tanks and you know put in a certain area. There's water that's been put in another area. Uh, but if you ever look up Junior Johnson, this man has probably thought of every single way to cheat in the book. And if he was still in, you know, in charge of making cars today, there'd be something else that we'd be talking about, you know, to this day, like, hey, how how in the world did he think of this? So if I remember correctly, there's in people that inspect these vehicles, like NASCAR people inspect these vehicles before yep. yeah. uh, they they inspect them the pre-race or you know they, all the time they, or uh they, they do a pre-race inspection, then they do post-race, like so today. Uh, the, the winner yesterday, the Daytona 500, Michael McDowell, uh, since the race went on so long, they didn't expect this car until today. Usually it's supposed to be like directly after, you know, the victory celebration. So they waited until this morning to go ahead and inspect this car. Turns out, you know, nothing was egregious or anything like that. So he was declared a winner. But a lot of times we will see a winner. We'll go to a racetrack. Somebody will win the race. And if they fail, then they, you know, the wind still kind of goes to them, but it's in controversy. But there is times where you inspect the car before the race. They, you know, you go through the inspection after the race and all this other stuff. There's a lot of scrutiny in it. But somehow people still end up, you know, getting dinged up for it. Well, I mean, do you think that there's some of these quote unquote inspectors that have been paid off? No, they actually, they'll put the car in, the car goes in a room and it gets hit with lasers and stuff like that. They have visual people using their eyes and stuff, but then they have like a literal machine that inspects these cars sometimes also. Interesting. Uh, and they go through three in, in pre-race inspection. They go through three. If they find something in the first one, they get a second, they have to fix it, get a second one. Uh, if they fail the second time, they're probably going to the back, getting penalized, losing points, something like that. And then third inspection, they usually lose like a crew chief or um, a car ch- chief um, for a race a week or two. And, and then if it happens a second time, MTJ is probably 
probably one of the most mature, notorious for it. His team cheats every week, and I got no problem with it. They just they don't cheat well. So what's the way to pass this laser inspection? I'm kind of thinking to myself, right? When you're telling me laser inspection, I'm kind of thinking to myself, it's like I'm trying to rob a bank. My hand hits the laser (laughs) and I'm like, ah, hell, here it goes. That's exactly what it's like. (laughs) You know, the bank vault closes. I'm stuck inside and I'm just kind of like, you know what? It doesn't matter about the ski mask on my face. I'm parked here. Yeah, it's. um... How do you get away with lasers? How, how many is it? It's like eight, eight lasers and a bunch of cameras or something like that. And this car is like, it's just going over all of it. It knows exactly what the measurements are supposed to be. And I'm like, when I say these guys are cheating, I'm talking like down to like a 16th of an inch or a 30 second. They are cheating in the smallest minute amounts, but it makes such a difference in the sport. But those lasers see that stuff um, that eyes don't. And then just like we saw it, um, I can't remember if it happened last year, but I know it happened like two years ago. Was it MTJ? Like um, his, the, his tire changer, when he got up, fell into the back of his car and dented his right rear quarter panel to make his car more aerodynamic. And the team immediately was, or officials were like, whoa, come back down pit road and get this (laughs) out of your car. We know exactly what you just did. Um, Who was it? Kevin Harvick or. Kevin Harvick at Las, Las Vegas, he had a the, the the pane of the window actually had a dent in it yep. as you went by. A lot of people didn't notice. You you only saw it a couple of times during the broadcast, and even then, when you saw it, you know it was flexing a little bit. And then once you know, once Twitter you know starts calling things out, you know NASCAR it's hard for NASCAR to be like, oh, okay, <laughs> we'll look at it. But uh, I mean, these teams do everything imaginable to. Go ahead advantage. and find now, just to get advantage. My yeah. thought is too is um like let's say there's because uh, everyone knows they basically get the flex tape out and that's their best friend. I've seen them stomp on the uh, you know the front splitters all that, but I've actually said to myself I I saw this fender damage one time and I I wasn't sure but I'm like you know if they put the flex tape all the way across the hood, it would take a, you know, a little bit of the airflow. It would affect it. Yeah. 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 I think we saw, we saw earlier, I think it was a 500 or maybe it was one of the races earlier in the weekend, but one of the cars actually got damaged and the back, the back piece was flapping off. They try to tape as best as as you can, but if you're going, you know, 200 miles per hour, you don't know if it's going to hold up. So it lasted maybe five or six laps. And then all William of a sudden it started, they started just flapping. And then that, because that's a safety issue and it's required on the vehicle, uh, they had the black flag and he had to go back and pair it. I'm not even sure if he did. Or if William they, Byron. Yeah. Yeah. What, it was I William mean, Byron, they put a new, <laughs> they put a new bumper on and taped it on him. Um, Cause he has to have it. So if that flew off, he's done. He's out of the race. So mm-hmm. they, they had a spare bumper and they put it on. Yeah. They keep, they keep, they're allowed to keep certain parts um, that they can replace during races. I think he ended up like four or five laps down, but he was able to get up to speed and keep up with the pack. Um, so, I mean, it didn't. Did you replace a hood? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, you, you're really taping it up. You still have the original hood, but to, to put everything back together like uh, as brand new, you really can't. I mean, I, I, the only reason I ask is because I'm biased being a body guy, because 
I've noticed uh, when I was uh, doing body work, right? When somebody said, hey, get this dent out of my hood. It's like, if you need a repaint and there's like a small little dent, like the size of a quarter or a silver dollar, it's like fine. But if it's bent, right? It's like, listen, if you want me to be able to close your trunk, I get it. But if you want it to be back to mint, no one's replacing that because it's got the two sides. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm right. doing is banging out with a hammer, sanding it real quick, might touch it up with primer to avoid rust, and that's about it. I'm thinking the same thing. I'd be, I'm like, hey, pull over the pit road, say, give this damn thing to people's elbow. <laughs> they did, actually. Somebody, I don't remember whose team it was. Somebody had a baseball bat out there. and i think that was the first time i'd seen a baseball bat i've seen a lot of rubber mallets uh hammers last year we had that chainsaw or whatever that was yes yeah the chainsaw oh my god yeah so i i think it was on the right side of the car what's he sawing with the chainsaw (laughs) was that bush i think it was because he damaged the right rear of the car and obviously you know so Next thing you know, the guy brings out a chainsaw and he just starts going to town on it. <laughs> yep. Man. So as far as recent cheating, uh, what are you thinking? MT- MTJ. Uh, <laughs> just that, that man. Uh, it's, it's like the laser inspections for the most part, but for, for like every week, uh, you'd be surprised if he ever gets to start in the place that he qualifies. And he's in one of the best teams right now. He's, you know, the top three teams in NASCAR. So you got to assume that he's going to start 15th or better. Um, and he is a past champion. So this guy will start fourth. And then by the time the race starts, he's already starting, you know, 30, 34th or something like that, just because he fails the uh, inspection. But um, we've, we've seen some pretty bad ones. Uh, I think there was a point in time where uh, even Chase Elliott had some, you know, go to the rears, but even when he has those, he still has the best car on track. And that happened during the championship race last year. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And is probably the most frequent Kyle, Kyle Bush. Occasionally Blaney got caught a few times at the beginning of the playoffs last year. And that really pretty much kept him from advancing. Um, yeah. MTJ it's, it's almost it's almost become a joke against um, amongst the NASCAR community. Like every time we hear he's starting at the rear, it's just like, I mean, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a NASCAR race if MTJ Don't was starting where he qualified. Him, I guess either. <laughs> no. Nope. No. Oh man, there's only one uh, fairly recent I could think of of uh, tampering as far as like paying off an inspector or so. If you ever look up, uh, there's this YouTube account that has uh it's called baseball doesn't exist now as far as the content goes i think this is probably my favorite because uh the, his last video was a chapman how he escaped cuba and became uh the cuban missile in america how alex rodriguez has been the most hated guy in baseball and still up there for the most hated man in new york Still can't top Bernie Madoff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm pretty sure Lenny, I'm pretty sure that Mer- Madoff gave him a message out of the jail cell saying, hey, congratulations, but guess what? I'm still the most hated man in New York. Wow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's been done. 
But uh, he actually did one where it was the biggest fraud in baseball history, and it was this man, Lenny Dykstra. He was a member of the 86 Mets, and he ended up being the, one of the first guys uh, to the party for steroids. But also, there was a time where, now mind, mind you, this was big-time money back then. He paid private investigators 500 grand to get dirt on the umpires of the league. He said he knew who was cheating on their wife, who was gambling on games, and he even threatened one of them because he was a closet gay and he was threatening to expose him. Wow. So there's times where this guy would literally have almost a whole baseball worth of chewing tobacco in his mouth, but yet there's enough air inside for him to scream at you. But there's was times, and I've seen the video evidence that, that the guys uh, provided one call. It's a strike. He looks at him, takes a moment, says something to him. And I've never seen a guy talk to an umpire and then the pitcher throw the ball in the same exact spot. I mean, video game type stuff. <laughs> First one called a strike. Second one called a ball. And also ironic that year he led major league baseball and walks. Wow. That's crazy. I don't, I don't convenient. Is it not? I don't think NASCAR has, I mean, not since Junior Johnson started making cars for the sport. Like, I think it's, I don't think we have big scandals like that. You don't really hear about them, like, trying to catch, get dirt on anybody or bribing officials or anything like that. Bribing the inspectors. Yeah, no. Wilson, uh, Wilson, can you get, can you get uh, maintenance? Uh, the laser isn't working. <laughs> no. Uh, usually, uh, most of the comedy mm -hmm. and the finishes of races are just like the rule books getting bent, you know, live on TV, you know, where one guy can go to the pits, but another guy can't just due to the rules and you'll review it and then you can watch stuff like that. Um, as far as like off the track or like in-house things, I think the only thing that we had was like 20 years ago when we had Aaron Crocker and Jeremy Mayfield situation where um, a, a driver ended up getting a spot on a team that she didn't rightly deserve only because she was dating. The owner, the, uh, one of the owners or the crew chief, uh, I think at the time on the team, and this other guy, you know, called it out like, hey, this person's taking my, my ride. And he didn't want to say anything at first. And then eventually it, it just blew up into this whole thing. Unfortunately for him, uh, he got caught with uh, some less, less than reputable uh, <laughs> things on him. Uh, so then uh, that kind of, you know, derailed his career, but that also kind of derailed that whole program in itself. But that's the only thing I can really think of is just the, the Everham Mayfield, uh, Aaron Crocker situation. But as far as in-house stuff, um, nothing, nothing too scandalous. Damn. But I mean that that's just the funny thing because NASCAR the scandals are limited now. Where it's like baseball, you've had so many covered up, so many people still covering up, and ironically, the league is covering up everything. And it's like, hey, they let steroids go on. Now they're punishing them. And for what? Like this year, there's going to be, there's nobody going in the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's really weird. And why? There's a couple reasons why. One, the steroids 
debacle. And number two, it's these writers. If a writer doesn't like you or they got all this information, right? And it sucks because there's a lot of character instances where it's becoming... I don't want to say that a piece of garbage needs to be in a Hall of Fame, but let's just put it to you this way. I'm a hardcore Yankee fan, okay? Joe DiMaggio hit Marilyn Monroe. He's a Hall of Famer and one of the best Yankees of all time. Some instances that have been cleared up. Some guys have DWIs. It's like there's one guy saying he had two DUIs. I can't give him a vote. And I'm like, oh, really? Did we forget that Babe Ruth was drunk out of his mind at ball games? At one time, he was uh, told by police to go inside because he was swimming in a hotel fountain. (laughs) (laughs) There's actually a movie about that where, you know how they have like those uh, statues and like those big water fountains? Yeah. That's at the hotel. He's freaking swimming in it. Wow. I'll have to find that. It's it's the one with uh, John Gooden starring as uh, Babe Ruth. Every time that uh, John Gooden is in a baseball film, you have to watch it. And Trouble with the Curve, um, I I actually like that baseball movie better than Moneyball because Moneyball, it was really just a cheap owner. And there was a guy in a roster who was paid handsomely. But if we go by Trouble with the Curve, it goes by Scouting the Game as well as people with advanced analytics. When that movie came out, analytics, everyone is already slowly adapting completely to it. But then it just got to the part where it's like, listen, this guy might be 60, but guess what? He knows the ins and outs of the game, and we need to respect that. Right. I And Clint Eastwood's in it. Uh, Justin Timberlake is in it as a scout and former ball player. If you're looking for a good uh, film, that that's definitely one to check out. Trouble with the Curb, and I gotta check that out. Yeah. Also, You've the forty-two, the forty-two mm-hmm. movie. Jackie uh, Robinson. Yeah, I think I've seen I, that in Moneyball. That's it, I think. Yeah, forty-two, sixty-one. Uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. great for some people, but for me, I thought it was great. And unfortunately, the actor passed away, but. That's where I became a fan of him is because of his role in 42. And uh, Harrison Ford did a very good job of doing Branch Rickey, the owner and general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers. 61 is one of my favorite baseball movies. I don't know why, but I love the story of Roger Maris when he hit his 61 home runs and uh, him and Mickey Mantle battling. That's one of my favorites. NASCAR really doesn't have a ton of movies like that. Uh, during the uh, intermission of Daytona, they did the behind the scenes of Tom, mm-hmm. the Tom Cruise one, but that was about Days it. of Thunder. Yep. Yeah, and, and, but most of the movies, I think it's hard to catch catch like the like the authentic of mm-hmm. NASCAR. And if they if they do, they really try to make a spoof out of it. Uh, whenever they do, Talladega you know, Nights. The Talladega Nights. Uh, they had that one. Uh, there was one a couple years ago that they tried to do. It's mostly a, like a bank heist movie, but they were in the NASCAR setting. But, oh, yeah. But Danny just remember, Tatum. Will Ferrell's in a movie mm-hmm. and it involves a sport. It's got to <laughs> be a mockery. I mean, come yeah. on. The fact that his the fact that his partner believed that pizza was from America. <laughs> that, just, that, just show, that just shows you the stereotypes and everything yeah. else. Which is you actually funny because John C. Riley is in Days of Thunder. 
his partner in Talladega Nights is in Days yeah. of Thunder, but he played a serious character. Three is actually a good movie, a movie about Dale Earnhardt Sr. That was a pretty good movie. Yeah. Now they come out with a Netflix show with uh, Kevin James. So I don't know how that's going to work out, but it's him running the NASCAR team. I think it's trying to, I, I think it's trying to go the same path. I think it's trying to do the same path as like the ranch with Ashton Kutcher and stuff like that. So we'll see if that's funny or not. But uh, uh, as far as like movies to NASCAR, eh. it didn't look funny to me. No. <laughs> well, uh, j- just like the way I watch, uh, you know, um, it could be a TV series, uh, an anime, whatever the case may be. I'll give it the three episode trial and I will mm-hmm. go from there. But when I think of Kevin James, it's one of those where you definitely (laughs) love it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you either are going to like what's going on or you don't. Like, uh, it's that you remember that show, Mike and Molly, and now it's Bob and Abishola, that guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, there's it's kind of the same thing. It's like he's great and he's funny, but it's so hot and cold. I think I think a lot of people. Uh, I think that's almost a NASCAR saying. You know, when you're saying either you're going to like them or you don't. There's a lot of drivers that you're okay with. You know, if they have a good race or something like that. There's a few drivers that you'll have. You know, on your list, you're just like, I hope this person wrecks lap one. I hope nothing <laughs> nothing ever good happens to them. I hope you know all this other stuff. And then you know, I think me and Steph are Chase Elliott fans. So any anybody does him, you know, dirty. It's it's one of those like, hey. <laughs> retaliation and, that, and yep. that's just what you think of as a fan it's like it's like listen buddy i need you to go on the wall but do me a favor just make sure you're able to get out of that car peacefully wave everybody and just being like hey boss i'm okay exactly oh man th- th- this was great so stephanie chris thank you this has been hysterical by all means and I I honestly had no expectations going into this, but I've had a blast. I really have. Um, this is fun. Th- thank you so much. I'll let you know when this is uh, sent to Matt and everything. Uh, but any uh, ending remarks by the two of you, uh, where to find you, promoting the show, any last words? Before I get there, where's your closest? Do you know what your closest racetrack is? I'm trying to think of a map. I don't. You like, Around you said you're in Connecticut, right? Uh, I'm on the border of uh, Connecticut and New York. We've got quite a few racetracks around you then. But believe but it or not, it's actually not popular around my area at all. Do what? It's not popular around my area, believe it NASCAR? or not. NASCAR? No. It's just like racing in general. Like, I mean, you'll find street racing. And that's a, like, as far as like at a track, everything else, mm-hmm. not popular around me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I'm in like the stereotypical area where I mean, I'm not I'm outside of those bougie areas, like the ones that are. Like, uh, what's his name? You know, Joey, where it's just kind of like, oh, it's a pain to be here. <laughs> I'd rather be on the yachts than my <laughs> glass of wine. <laughs> I know you do have a couple of tracks out there, uh, I think. New Hampshire is a little bit of a drive for you, but I mean, there's um, no more than two hours. It's, it's funny, but uh, depending on traffic and everything else, that is a couple hours away. But I mean, it's different because like over where I am, we don't go by miles. We go by, we actually do it by hours. <laughs> we do minutes. <laughs> like uh, yeah. for me, I know with traffic, I could make it to Boston in three hours. Yeah. I know that I could 
go on a train into the Bronx. Like once I parked my car, it would be less than an hour to the Bronx and about an hour to Grand Central Station. Yeah, that's how we do things back home. Well, if we're ever, um, I plan on visiting every racetrack before I die and watching a race there. So if we're ever out your way, we'll give you a shot and let you know and see if the, we can take you to a, a real NASCAR Cup Series race. All right. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Chris, any closing remarks? Uh, no, I'm, I'm glad that uh, we got to do this. I'm happy uh, that we can talk about baseball and stuff. I actually learned a lot about baseball more than I would say I, I talked about NASCAR this time. But um, if anything, you know, start watching a little bit of the season. We do have a road race. So if you didn't get to watch the one uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we do have a road race this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a little bit interesting. Hopefully our boy Chase Elliott can come away with a win like that. But uh, I'm actually excited to watch more baseball. I know that I live out here in Arizona and for the, you know, up until COVID hit, I've, I've been told that spring training is pretty much done out here and I can watch a, a whole heap of teams. So I'm kind of hoping that they yeah. do let the fans and people, you know, buy tickets and stuff like that. So I do want to uh, try my hand at going to a couple of games, learn a little bit, uh, probably sitting around first base because I think that's where all the action's at, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, so, personally... Uh, I mean, uh, the the most expensive tickets are right by the first and third baselines, obviously outside behind the catcher. But uh, where I am uh, in Yankee Stadium, it's got uh, short outfields. I've actually been uh, my last seat. Um, I was a little bit from the right field foul pole. Before that, I was uh, 10 rows back from the left field fence. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a newer ballpark, you're uh, having fun. And if you are going to decide what team do I root for, because I actually recently got into basketball, do yourself a favor, look into the owner. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, like when you pick a team to root for, ownership does play a part. And that is being serious because let me tell you something. The New York Mets just got a new owner. And imagine hating your owner. Imagine imagine having the bar set high and then they say, we're not going to do it. Imagine telling your general manager not to spend money. Imagine all these teams that are competing are spending X amount of money. Like if we go by Pittsburgh, right? Right. Worst owner in all of baseball, and he's letting all of his fans and his players rot. It's not good. It's not good for anybody. It's not. And mind you, right? Pittsburgh is a great sports city, a great stadium, a bad owner, doesn't add to the team, trading all the assets away. It's like, why are you here? I grew up a Braves fan. I'm not kidding you. When I say, Go for the owner. If you're in Pittsburgh, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Put on the brakes. <laughs> the, the uh, ironically, uh, the Arizona area, the Diamondbacks, uh, it's been very interesting uh, throughout uh, their existence. That's what I've heard. I heard that about all the sports teams out here, uh, specifically how the hockey team has been doing and then how the baseball team's been doing. And yeah, I was about to say. It seems very hit or miss. Hockey, right? Yeah. Seems I mean, very hit and miss. 
Suns are seem fine. They're getting it together. Mm-hmm. Cardinals, I think, are going to be solid. But hey, if you have any advice, reach out to me anytime. I got you. I'm definitely <laughs> down. All right. So thank you to both of you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, please stay safe. Please stay well. I got, uh, I'm going back to back to back tonight. So I will talk to you all soon and have a good one. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will be in touch. Absolutely. You too. Thank you. All right. Everybody have a good night. Thank you. you.